Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Colt for a Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, your host, Evan Sutter. I'm joined by our, very, our weekly guest on the show, Zach Hickestampia Blue. How are you doing today, Zach? Pretty good, man. Uh, always, feel be- always feels better coming on after a, a big win and uh, second big win in a row, you know, beating the, the Texans at home uh, to take over first place in the division. So feeling really good today, man. Yeah, the Colts won 30-23 yesterday. That was the final score, and it kind of just goes to show you, I think, what was more impressive to you, Zach? I know the Colts usually own the Texas at home, but I feel like that game kind of showed us that Jacoby Brissett can win a game on his own. Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest thing, and I, we talked about it last week going to the game, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want the Colts to get into a shootout with the Texans. Uh, simple as that, I think that typically when you get into a shootout with the team, uh, you really don't want to get into it with a team that has a better quarterback. And, you know, like I said last week, if you're the biggest Jacoby Brissett fan ever, uh, you're still going to think Sean Watson's a better quarterback. Uh, so going into that game, I didn't want to get into a shootout. And uh, Frank Reich definitely, uh, you know, changed up his, his thought process there. And he uh, tried to counter what he thought the Texans were going to do. And he thought the Texans were going to stack the box and try to stop Marlon Mack. That's exactly what we saw. Uh, so he called a very – uh, pass-heavy offense uh, the whole game, and, and Jacob Brissett came to play. I mean, he, he had an outstanding game, and it was definitely the, the best game of, of the year and probably the best game of his, uh, his NFL career. So uh, hats off to, to Jacoby Brissett for coming out and, and having such a great game and, and going through his progressions and, and standing, sitting in there in pressure and, and just making a lot of plays. And then also to Frank Reich to have the confidence of the young quarterback to, to you know, put the team on his back and – and let him go to work. So I think uh, hats off to those two guys for, for helping this team win. 325 yards, four touchdowns, no picks for Jacoby Brissett yesterday. Like you said, Zach, probably the best game of his NFL career so far. And I think this goes to show in, in the next-gen stats in the clean pocket that Brissett has, 22 of 26. He also had four touchdowns in that scenario as well. I feel like Brissett's at least an, an average NFL quarterback, we can say now, through six games, Zach, where if he has a clean pocket, he's usually going to do well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that we could see that these first few weeks. Even, you know, even people who are doubting Jacob Brissett being the future of this team and being the, the franchise quarterback going forward, I think we can all kind of agree that he's at least an average quarterback. You know, he's, he's not going to do – you know, he's not going to have a horrible game where he's going to lose a game for you. But uh, the big question going into this last week and kind of going forward still is can he win games for you? Can he win games that you're not supposed to win because your team is, is just having a bad game where they didn't show up, kind of like the Raiders game this year? Uh, can he win those games? Can he put together big performances? And this past weekend was the first one that we really saw. You know, the Falcons game was kind of one, but that was just a, a really weird game overall. But this game, you know, at home, a big divisional game coming off of a bye week. I think this was his biggest test of the year. And, and may, again, maybe of his entire NFL career. And, and he really uh, put the team on his back and had a great game. You know, there were still some, some moments where he could have been a little bit better. But, you know, overall, if, if you want more than what he just gave on Sunday, I think it's a little bit nitpicky. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, he he played a really good game, and, and it was exactly what I wanted to see. I really wanted to see him be able to attack uh, intermediate and a little bit more downfield, and, and he did. You know, he, he made the defense kind of have to respect the pass, and, and he was a threat to convert first downs, you know, second and long, third and long, uh, even in first and long. Uh, so I think it was just a great game overall, and, and uh, it's, it's a step in the right, you know, in the right direction. I think uh, anyone who really doubted him um, – really saw this past weekend that he can lead this team to victory when he has to throw the ball. And I think that's a step in the right direction for even his biggest, biggest doubters. I think one interesting stat here, Zach, the Colts had eight plays in the first five games of going at least 20 yards. They had six of those yesterday. It kind of, I think it was set up well by the play action pass though, because they ran 26 times for only 62 yards, but 
establishing that run like the Colts have done each week and opening up for Jacoby on those playoff situations, I think that, that's a recipe for success long-term, I think, where you can just establish a run. Even if the run's not working, that they have, the defense now have to, have to worry about that because the Colts have been so good running the ball and it opens things up for the pass game. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that a lot of analytics kind of point to uh, establishing the run doesn't really set up the play action. Honestly, the Colts game this past weekend would kind of point to that because even though they couldn't establish the run the entire game, the play action was effective. Uh, the biggest point of that, though, with, when you look at the Colts team, is you know their identity as a running team, especially with those big guys up front with Quentin Nelson, Anthony Costanzo. You don't want to be on your heels whatsoever against those guys. Uh, so you kind of have to respect that run. You have to respect that play action. Uh, and I think the Colts did a great job of instituting a lot more of it this weekend and instituting a lot of crossing routes to kind of confuse the defense. And I know Zach Pascal said in an interview after the game uh, that they were running uh, crossing routes against the scout team defense, and that was making them confident for this Texans team because the scout team defense couldn't, uh, you know, kind of stay with those crossing routes. So I think uh, it was really good preparation by the Colts, and I think that um, – you know, I, I just think that the play action uh, doesn't really need to be set up by a great running game, but just a threat of the Colts running game with a really good running back and those big guys up front who have a great reputation already uh, does kind of set up that play action game. And I like to see more of that going forward. Speaking of Zach Pascal, six catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns on seven targets, a career day, of course, for Pascal. And I think it goes to show, Zach, that um, – I think this is an incredible story. I think one of the funnest storylines of the year so far is just Zach Pascal and his rise over the last month or so because the first game, he didn't get a single target. Same goes for week two. Then once the injuries hit and once Deion Kane kind of regressed a little bit, Pascal's kind of running away at the number two wide receiver spot. I think it's just a cool story. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, again, uh, I'm pretty sure I told I said on this podcast here, and I said it uh, multiple times. I've written articles about it. Zach Pascal is one of my – favorite players in the entire league, you know, and, and it's not because of anything flashy with him or anything like that. I just think that he is, a, he's a coach's player. You know, he, he will grind out and do anything that a coach asks, but uh, the biggest thing that he does that coaches love and doesn't really get talked about enough is his ability to improve from year to year. You know, he went from uh, his first year being a practice squad player, barely rosterable player in Washington uh, to a special teams guy in Tennessee to uh, you know, a bottom of the roster receiver for the Colts last year who could play some spot start. Uh, now we're looking at a guy who could be a legit wide receiver two or three in the league. I mean, every single year he's shown improvement and he's looked at weaknesses in his game and he has gotten better at it, at him. I mean, this year, I, I think I tweeted out earlier today, he's only uh, 29 yards away from eclipsing his, his totals from last year in, in uh, terms of receiving yards. Uh, and he's already closing in on his uh, catch as well, as, long as, as, long, as, well as uh, doubling his yards per catch. Uh, so I think that he's just having a great season. I think he's showing improvement every year. And uh, career day this past weekend, I think that he's a guy who can uh, be relied on a lot more in the passing game. I wonder – I know this is kind of looking ahead a little bit because who knows when Paris Kennel will be back. Might be next week. Might be a couple weeks from now. Devin Funch won't be back till the Jaguars game, at least on the November 17th. What do you do in that situation once Funches and Campbell are back? I think you really can't limit Pascal's snaps because I think he's just done so well and he's been so pivotal to his team the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think Pascal will have a role, especially a bigger role, just because of how he's playing. You know, the Colts uh, do a really good job of, of getting the best players in the field. You know, we've seen it Kari Willis, even though there have kind of been injuries there. Uh, they've been getting Kari Willis in the field, and obviously he's one of the better players in the defense. And you just see it with guys overall, and they really love their versatility as well. That's why you see it with a guy like Al-Kadim Muhammad on defense. Uh, and Zach Pascal is kind of that way on offense. You know, he's, he's versatile, uh, and he's one of the better players now in that group. So I don't think they're going to really keep him off. Uh, the field at all uh, because of that. And 
I think that he's going to have a solid role as the wide receiver four, maybe even uh, kind of a more prominent role than wide receiver four, kind of subbing a little bit more punches while he comes back from this injury. Uh, but I do think, you know, Hilton's number one. And uh, in, in, no matter how well Pascal's playing, I do think Punch is just a better overall player. Uh, but I think that wide receiver three spot with Campbell and, and you know, wide receiver four is kind of that backup to Punches. Uh, I think Pascal's going to really thrive there, and he'll still get his snaps and, and play really well. So uh, regardless what his role is going forward with this team, you know, even after this year, uh, I think we all just need to kind of take a step back and be like, this this player has done a lot in his NFL career. He's gotten a lot better, and, and uh, he's become a real asset to this team, and it's just remarkable. Uh, I, I really am a big fan of, of Zach Pascal and everything he's done with this team. Another clear shot on here, Zach, on the offensive side is Eric Ebron, who we talked about before on the show the last couple of weeks, who's someone who really needs to step up here. I think he was kind of in a really bad funk. He was dropping balls left and right. But this time on Sunday, even Eric Ebron mentioned after on postgame that they kind of set the game plan for him to get going a little bit early on, Brissett and Reich. And it really showed. He had five targets, had four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown, that insane catch he made in the end zone. I think that's a good throw by Jacoby as well. But I feel like that was the kind of game that, that Ebron really needed to get his confidence back. Yeah, you know, he, he's such a high-variance player. You know, he'll have his great games and have his bad games. Uh, so he really needed one of these great ones to, to really kind of bounce back on the air because he's been really quiet up to this point. And, and you know, the Colts haven't really been a, a high-level passing offense this season outside of maybe the Atlanta game before this. Uh, but, you know, he, he really needed this game to up his confidence. You know, he has not been very reliable the last few games before this one, uh, dropping a lot of passes. But, uh, yeah, he, he was excellent on Sunday. I think he was a major asset in the passing game. And, you know, when, when Hilton was uh, struggling or, or not really getting his targets, Ebron was able to to kind of get open and be that second option to Zach Pascal all day. So, uh, you know, he, he had a great game. And I'm glad that he was able to bounce back because he's a very talented player. Uh, the only thing that ever holds him back is, is kind of uh, between the ears and his own confidence. So hopefully this gets his confidence back up and he can return to that Pro Bowl level he was at last year. Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great credit workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started right away. Guys, have a chat real quick. Remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis to know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they're really twice as fast as a post. You can be ready to go whenever an opportunity arises. Pivoting to the defense now, Zach, I feel like 23 points, the, the first half especially, I think that Colts defense really stepped up. They, they were the definition of bend but don't break. They really just allowed a lot of uh, yards to get inside the 20. But once they got in there, they really stiffened up in the first half especially. They, they only allowed three field goals in the, inside the 20 there. I think the Colts defense really also missed Darius Leonard, his presence. He had a team-high 10 tackles. What does it say now, and also Justin Houston can get on as well here, Zach, because it seems like all these pieces for this defense are kind of gelling together now, and they're still not even healthy yet. They have Kenny Moore and Malik Hooker come back here soon. Yeah, and I think that's a very uh, you know underrated statement right there. When they get those two guys back, we'll finally see this defense at full form, and, and that's, that's going to be big. You know, Malik Hooker is, is a huge deal coming back because he's uh, the heart and soul of that, of that back end. Uh, so I think when he comes back and, you know, Kenny Moore comes back and, you know, obviously Shaq Taylor had a, had a good game, but uh, Kenny Moore is just, you know, a different level from him. So when you get those two guys back, we're going to see a really good defense, I think. And, and uh, hats off again to, to Matt Eberflus this whole game. I think he did a perfect blend of aggressiveness and also, you know, sitting back a little bit in that bend don't break. Also throwing in some man, throwing in some zone. I think he really kept uh, Deshaun Watson and that Texas offense on their heels and, and, you know, we talked about Frank Reich out coaching Bill O'Brien this game, but I think Matt Eberflus even out coached Bill O'Brien. 
uh, you know, Bill O'Brien wasn't able to really scheme his guys open. And, and, you know, if you look at that Texans offense, you know, Deshaun Watson, Duke Johnson, uh, Kiki Cootie, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and, and Will Fuller, and, and Kenny Stills, that's a lot of talent right there on the field. So uh, the, for the Colts to be able to kind of hold them back and, and uh, allow their offense to kind of and, you know, win that game basically for the Colts at the end of the game, I, I think that was just a great uh, defensive effort all around from, from Eber Plus and, and all the guys on defense. I think someone who's waking up here, Zach, is Justin Houston. I think maybe returning to Kansas City and having that emotional game really helped him out. He has three sacks over his last two games. He only had one in the first four games. How how pivotal was it for Houston now, especially with Kamoko Ture out and Ben Banning, who's still coming along slowly, that he's kind of this force the rest of the season for them? Oh, huge. And and that's kind of what we needed when, when the Colts signed him. You know, they needed uh, – you know, they didn't need superstar Justin Houston. They didn't need 23 sack Justin Houston, even though that would have been great. They didn't need that. They needed that veteran presence who can be a reliable force in both the passing game and the run game. And uh, kind of, you know, this kind of goes along with Ball Sheard. We're also going to kind of mention him here because he also had a great game. Uh, but those two guys just came up to play. You know, nothing flashy about either of them at this point in their careers. Uh, older players uh, kind of on their last legs here. But uh, just reliable, and they get after it every single play. You know, even if it's not the flashiest sack where they're they're beating their tackle, they're kind of grinding it out and, and just working their way to the quarterback. And and I think uh, both of them had excellent games in both run defense and in rushing the passer. And uh, we saw it all game. I mean, they were they were in Deshaun Watson's face all game. So I think hats off to those two players. And and I think they were you know the best defenders on the team uh, on Sunday. I think Sheard is a player who I underrated a little bit coming into the season because I, I originally thought, okay, they drafted Ture, they drafted Banigou. Eventually, they're just going to let him go after this year. But I think at this point, with the way he's played, Zach, I think he deserves – he's one of those guys at the end of the year who kind of deserves like maybe a two- or three-year extension. Oh, yeah, it's certainly tough. Uh, but I think that's the type of guy that you don't want to get rid of or ever lose. I mean, I think forever we're going to talk about this guy as being underrated. Even if he even makes Pro Bowls or what whatsoever, I think he's always going to be underrated because he's, his impact is not always – in the statistical column you know he, he gets after the quarterback he's a great mentor to the younger players from everything I've heard uh, from people around the Colts uh, you know you would expect Justin Houston to be that mentor and, and this isn't me trying to bash Justin Houston at all he's more of the the watch me do it kind of guy but but Jabal Sheard is very vocal with the young guys he's really uh, helping them learn and I think that that's very pivotal too uh, so when you combine all that and also his play on the field and how much better the Colts run defense has been and also their pass rush has been since he's come back I think uh, it's definitely going to be hard to lose them. Uh, it's tough when you've spent, you know, two second-round picks or three second-round picks, I guess, in the last two years on on uh, edge players, defensive linemen. It's tough to kind of uh, keep Jabal Sheard. But, I mean, it's hard to get rid of him at this point, too, because he's just so productive and so valuable in that locker room. So it's going to be a tough decision. But as of right now, I think we just got to cherish what we got with him. And, and he's a darn good player who I think, uh, you know, to the end of time we'll be calling underrated because that's just kind of what he is. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with you there, Zach. I think Sheard is one of the underrated pieces of this Colts defense, especially this year, what we've seen after his return so far opposite Justin Houston. But I feel like we should talk about the rookies on the defensive side for a second here, especially the two in the secondary, Kari Willis and Rocky Asin. Those two guys, I feel like, are really, even though Rock had a couple of moments here and there yesterday where it was kind of he's got beaten coverage, I, I feel like overall those two players, and especially Kari Willis, took 100% of the snaps for the Colts defense. I think we officially reached that point where Rock is supplanted or officially – submitted as the number two corner and now Kari Willis, the number two safe next to Hooker when he's back. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that those two have uh, cemented themselves as long-term pieces on this team. Uh, and it's great for Kari Willis because Kari Willis wasn't uh, quote unquote expected because he was 
uh, you know, that fourth round pick, a later round pick, day three guy. Uh, but for him to come in and play as well as he has this year, you know, I, I've ran, I've gone on about him every single week on this podcast. Uh, he's been excellent, but also Rocky Sin. You know, I, I know he had some some rough snaps this past weekend. It's definitely a tough matchup against Kenny Stills when he's uh, when you know Rocky Sin's not the fastest corner and he wasn't really in man all game. Uh, but you know, he he played well again. He was in position most of the time. I think uh, as as the game is going on, he's going to get better with his ball tracking and attacking at the point of attack. Uh, but I do think that uh, those two players are going to be pieced in the secondary for a long time. I think that they're, they're both really good players, and, and they've definitely shown a lot so far on film uh, to make you think that they're, they can be uh, key pieces on this defense. So I think Ballard did a great job with those two guys, and, and both of them are going out there and playing really well each week. As far as the safety rotation goes, Zach, once Hooker is back, do you expect them to use all four safeties here? I mean, I know Willis and Hooker will probably get most of the snaps, but do you expect maybe a, a platoon with Gathers and, and Odom, or do you expect once Hooker is back, it's going to be just Hooker and Willis getting the lion's share of the snaps, maybe almost like 90, 100% of them? You know, we could see that. I'm sure that they'll rotate the, the way that, you know, according to matchup or according to whatever team they're playing against. Uh, but I, I would like to see Odom and, and uh, you know, even Roland Milligan look good this past weekend. But I would like to see Odom on the field a little bit more. I think he showed uh, quite a bit these past two games. I think he had a couple big hits against the Texans, and, and we know his impact on that Chiefs game. So I would love to see him get more snaps out there. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, if Hooker and Willis are getting all the snaps, they're getting 100%, I'm fine with that too because those are two of your, you know, top five players in your defense so far this year. So I'd be fine with with both those guys getting 100%. But I would love to see, uh, you know, the young guy in Odom getting out there a couple times too. Now the Colts are 4-2 and two in the season, Zach, and especially off two impressive wins against the Chiefs and the Texans off the bye week. They, the next couple of weeks, we're getting the Broncos in just a second here, but look at the next three or four weeks for the Colts schedule. The Broncos at the Steelers, Dolphins and Jaguars before they go Thursday night football in Houston. If they can be 7-3 and three or 8-2 and two when they go to Houston, Zach, I feel like they could really create some separation or division. Oh, yeah, for sure, and that's huge. I mean – to make the playoffs, basically, I, I feel like all of us kind of think this. I don't know if it's just me, but uh, you want to get to that 10-win that threshold to basically say, you know, you're in the playoffs. You know, it's been very rare throughout NFL history uh, that a team has won, has won 10 games and missed the playoffs. So if they can get to 8-2 and two, this next stretch, which, you know, we're talking about winning four in a row, but it's really not that difficult. I mean, we're going against a historically bad team in, in the Dolphins, a, a, a third-string quarterback in the – and the Steelers, a guy who should be a third-string quarterback this next week against uh, the Broncos and Joe Flacco. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of winnable games, and uh, the Colts just can't slip uh, these next few weeks. I think uh, if they just stay the course and they win these next few games, get to 8-2, and two, uh, you know, anything's kind of possible from that point. They could get to, to 11, 12, maybe 13 wins even. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is a very nice schedule going down the stretch, and uh, I think it's just going to be huge for them to just maintain the course and and, uh, you know, take care of business the next few weeks. Is this the first team, at least in our lifetime? I know we're kind of on the younger side, Zach. I feel like for, for me, I grew up in the Manning and Luck era. It's feel like the first team in years where it's actually the team is car not carrying the quarterback, so to say, but the, the team is so good and so balanced that they can beat you any, any way on either side of the ball. And I think that's just super impressive the way Chris Bauer is going about building this team in really two and a half years, which goes to say how good of a GM he is. Oh, yeah, it's great. You know, you don't really see it in too many teams across the league. Uh, you see it from a couple Super Bowl winners. You know, we saw it from the Eagles a couple of years ago. We saw it from, you know, the Patriots this last, you know, 20 years of their dynasty. But, uh, you know, you, you rarely see complete teams. You know, like if you look around the league, uh, at, at even the best teams in the entire league, you'll look at, like, the Chiefs, for instance, uh, very top-heavy. Uh, you know, they're all quarterback and a couple talented players. Uh, you know, you look at the Texans this past weekend, too, very top-heavy with their quarterback and talented players. Uh, it, it's, um, 
you know, the, the league is, is not very deep overall. And I think the Colts have done a great job have, of building their trenches on both sides. they got veterans in there mixed with uh, talented young players. And then, uh, you know, they have a lot of just quality players. You know, somebody I was talking to today about this uh, said, you know, even if the whole team, like every player on the team is a B-minus player, that's a pretty good team right there. And, and I think that's a pretty good way to describe the Colts. You know, outside of Quentin Nelson, there's not really a superstar on this roster. Uh, but overall, you can't really say there's many weaknesses because they're all just at worst you know, average to above average players. There's not really a liability anywhere. And I think that that's huge in team building. So, uh, you know, again, I, I know this hats off a lot in this, but hats off to Chris Ballard and, and everyone in charge of building this roster. Because it's a very complete team and a very deep team. Let's go on to the Broncos game here, Zach. And the Broncos, as, as we've seen, if you guys have had the chance to watch them this year, and especially last week on Thursday Night Football, they are not a good team at all. And Joe Flacco is really losing all of his wheels. I think he's one of the bottom 10, bottom five worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And we really saw it last year on the wide John O.A. made the trade that he did to go get him. But is the game plan on Sunday, Zach, just to stack the box against Philip Lindsay and just Joe Flacco is not going to beat you, I don't think, unless they really just wet the bed, so to say. I really believe that this could be a blowout win if they really just stick to their game plan. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say stack the box, because honestly, I don't think you need to. Uh, the biggest thing, and, and it's kind of crazy thinking that, you know, Mike Munchak is their, uh, their offensive line coach, and he's one of the best in, in the NFL, and maybe even one of the best, you know, all time in terms of coaching offensive line play, but uh, their offensive line right now is, is putrid, uh, to say the least. You know, Garrett Bowles is leading the NFL and holding penalties. They're, they're getting beat left and right. I don't even think you really need to stack the box, maybe pay extra attention to the running game, but uh, you know, just get after him with four or five if you have to, and I think that'll get the job done. Uh, the key is, you know, just getting pressure on Flacco and forcing mistakes and, and making the field shorter for yourself. I think this is a very winnable game. Flacco's not really a scary quarterback at all. Uh, the Broncos are not as bad as what the record says. They have some talented pieces on that team, but, uh, you know, it, they're, they're just not performing this year. They're, they're really not. Uh, it starts with that quarterback, and it kind of ends with the players kind of giving up. Uh, it's been a tough year for them, but, um, you know, they have some talent. Colts shouldn't overlook them, uh, but they just kind of stay the course, take care of business, they'll be fine. Yeah, I think especially, how much do you think that Raiders loss is going to, like, be in the back of their heads, the Colts? Because I feel like they might have been looking ahead to Kansas City, and then that happened against Oakland. I feel like this might be a game where Frank Reich and the coaching staff really drew under their heads that it's one game at a time, and this might be a game where they come out super focused. Oh, yeah, certainly. And I think that that'll kind of uh, ring true with them. I think every loss kind of does that in the NFL. Uh, you know, I, I, I rarely think teams really go into games, maybe against the Dolphins this year, uh, you know, saying that we're going to win this game. Maybe they will overlook ones, but, uh, you know, I don't think there's many teams that are just cocky. I think they've got caught off guard early in that game. But again, that's, that's a great lesson to be taught there by Reich and, and the rest of the coaching staff. You know, you can't uh, get caught flat footed at the beginning of a game because uh, it's really hard to recover in the NFL. So I think they're going to come out firing, and hopefully they can uh, take care of business. Like I've you know, said multiple times here, take care of business against the worst team. Uh, that's what you got to do when you want to be one of the better teams in the league. Before we close today's show, Zach, what, what are your three keys to this game? Because I feel like this is a game where, like I mentioned before, if they just follow, the, follow just the basic guidelines, and the Denver defense I've looked up, I know they're underrated, so to say. I mean, they, they kind of hold teams well against the pass, but the running game, their run defense is putrid from what I've seen in the stats so far. What would you say are the, the main keys to this one? Yeah, so uh, the first two keys are actually kind of hand-in-hand uh, hand with each other, but uh, one is, is forced turnovers. Uh, because you want to make that field shorter for yourself. You want to, you know, get that offense out of rhythm or, like early in the game. Force turnovers, force sacks, kind of get in their heads early. Uh, and then the second key is on the Colts' offensive side of the ball. You know, don't give them anything easy. 
Uh, don't turn the ball over. Don't don't uh, take bad sacks. I uh, don't you know have really quick three and out possessions and don't don't make life easy for for the Broncos offense and getting back on the field. So uh, control the ball on offense. Don't don't turn the ball over on defense. Force those turnovers. And then the the last key I'm going to say uh, yeah, run it out, pound the ground, uh, get it to Marlon Mack, get it to Jordan Wilkins. Uh, take advantage of that bad rush defense and and play to your strength. You know, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett. We we saw this past weekend. He can air it out and he can take advantage. But uh, get back to your strength, kind of uh, control the game and, and get out of there with a the victory. That's it. Like I said multiple times, take care of business against this worst team. My prediction for this game, Zach, I'm going to go 27 to 10. I feel like this really shouldn't be that close. I, I actually hope it's not that close, but I, I really hope. I'm just going to say this as a, a fun prediction. I hope we see a Quentin Nelson touchdown here soon because him line up at fullback <laughs> yesterday, that was amazing. And Frank Reich even said he might see more of it. I think Quentin Nelson, if he played fullback full time, that would be so scary for defenses. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can't even imagine uh, him bearing down you. But I like your prediction. I'm going to go 23 to 13. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as close as what that score says. Maybe they'll get a, dar- a garbage touchdown at the end of the game uh, from 23-6 to get to 23-13. to But I do think the Colts kind of control this game uh, throughout, and they just kind of play a nice little conservative game and, and uh, you know, take care of business, like I've you know been saying a thousand times here. No, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think we're both on the same page. This really shouldn't be that close. The Colts just stay stay on their P's and Q's and really don't look ahead here. I think this could be a really fun stretch for the team. They could be 7-3 and three or maybe 8-2. and two. Hopefully, I think we both agree it would be 8-2 with this schedule coming up next month or so. They could really create some separation, not only for the division, but also maybe possibly get a first-round bye if all goes well for them. But you can follow Zach on Twitter at ZachHicks2. Reads work on Stampede Blue as well. Zach, as always, appreciate the time, man. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me.